in the city of Charleston, where the Ashley and Cooper Rivers meet the sea, where the first defiant shot of the Civil War was fired. J. Danforth Fitz Fitzgerald had come to surrender. He had been trying to surrender, in fact, for three years. He stood solemnly on the railing of a small sailboat named Solitaire, anchored in the harbor, staring out across the water as if lost in a dream. The vessel was aptly named. Life for Fitz was a game played alone, with little hope of winning, but with certainty of the ending. J. Fitzgerald regarded himself as an aberration, a renegade among men. All men, he believed, were born to a noble heritage of independence and wanderlust, but the regular man of civilized society was beaten down until he saw nothing but the small tasks of a short life and felt nothing but the urge to remain and complete them. Most people who saw J. Fitzgerald around Charleston, and there were not many, the postman, the grocer, the cop, the librarian, knew him only as Fitz. There wasn't a great deal more to know. He had a pleasing, approachable personality that made people feel comfortable shortening his name. He didn't mind this. The truth was, everything in his life had come up a little short. He was not a philanderer, which some of his wives might have wished for as evidence of some modicum of normalcy. There had been no infidelity or violence or frequent drunkenness. Each marriage had run a course of three or five or seven years, until one day Fitz arrived, suddenly, as if awakened in the trunk of a car driven off to Tijuana in the middle of the night at the conclusion that the woman to whom he was married was not the same woman he had married, that love had died, that the bloom was off the rose, that the bush had rotted root and branch, and that the only sensible course was to dig it up and throw it all into the fire. Fitz was fifty-four, which was old enough by any measure, but he felt more than merely old. He felt ancient in that ancient place. Fitz had come down in the world since his first divorce at thirty-one. After that cataclysm, there was for him, as there is for many, a ritual dividing of the spoils. A much smaller lump was spooned onto Fitz's plate. This he accepted with grudging silence as a member of the gender against which he believed an unfair presumption of despicability prevailed in the courts of marital law. It was not in his first wife's temperament to compete in the cutthroat environment of business, she had told the court. The judge accepted that answer without inquiry as to what best suited Fitz's temperament. Thankfully for him, his first wife had found gainful employment and remarried a few years later, after which the crushing burden of caring for her temperament had been lifted from Fitz's shoulders.